0: over, Smith comes out to the neutral zone, Feels right, so fires, he
1: scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com.
0: Smith to So 4-2 to two Golden Knights.
1: This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace.
0: And welcome in, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas, Wallace out on the homestead, Millard out at his estate, and Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Woo!
2: Making some progress towards a healthy lineup, a full lineup for the Vegas Golden Knights, and we're also zeroing in on this two-game series against the Colorado Avalanche. This is going to be a big weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll find out whether Max Pacioretty going to be able to rejoin the team. Oh, we're getting uh, an update on Alex Petrangelo. We'll, we'll bring you some comments from Pete DeBoer in just a little bit. And then you add in this two-game set in Denver where the Avalanche, despite giving up a single point last night to Arizona, are playing their best hockey of the year and you could make a statement that the uh, golden knights are one of one of their best stretches so it's uh, it's interesting to see the difference between the uh the way the clubs were preparing for this series to that first four game set where both clubs were, were kind of sorting itself out i i love very rarely we get to see everybody going at the same time mm-hmm. and and these guys yeah. are both going
0: yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. Like I'm really looking forward to tomorrow's game and really the two game set against the Colorado Avalanche because even earlier on in the season when these two teams met and they were feeling each other out, the the, the hockey on the ice was still fun. It was still exciting. There were still chances up and down the ice. So uh, now with Kale McCarr back in the fold and the Colorado Avalanche hitting their stride, and the Golden Knights, who I, I would argue have have been on their stride all season long maybe now they're just kind of picking the pace up a little bit uh it's just it's it's proving to be and and expected to be really fun entertaining hockey
2: the story of the day from the national hockey league is the decision to remove tim Peel, the referee uh from any more games this season and he will not referee in the national hockey league again he was slated to uh, retire 53 year old uh, completing his national hockey league career but was caught on a hot mic uh, referencing a penalty, basically make-up call, uh, whatever you want to term it, uh, last night in a game against uh, involving the Nashville Predators. Uh, we'll get into that story in a little bit uh, in this segment, uh, touch on it, and we'll dive into it uh, a little bit uh, more detail, a lot more detail, with former National Hockey Leaguer and analyst on the NHL Network, uh, Mike Johnson, uh, later on. So I want to make sure that you guys, uh, listeners... Are aware uh, on uh, the opinions uh, that uh, are going to be offered up, and I'm sure you might have your own opinions, and we'd love to hear from you uh, on Twitter. Uh, send us uh, a note either to Ryan, the Hockey Guy, or at Darren Millard. Let us know what uh, what you think, because there's a lot uh, a lot surrounding this story, and I think some of it's overblown, and some of it has been very well uh, stated. But on the subject of the Vegas Golden Knights, Ryan, I have a question for you. Who should be more concerned about the other? Because when you look at it from the Golden Knights side, everything seems to revolve around Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, and Mikko Rantanen, and zeroed Mm -hmm. in even more to Nathan McKinnon. And that line over the last five games has been sensational, scoring seven goals or sorry, uh, thirteen goals in the twelve games, and uh, they're lighting it up with uh, with points and plus minus, uh, just owning the competition. But the more I look at it, should Colorado be as concerned about Vegas offensively, and in particular, Mark Stone?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that if you're the Colorado Avalanche and you're looking at what Mark Stone has been able to do so far this season, then, yeah, absolutely, you should be zeroing in and trying to figure out ways to stop Mark Stone. When I look at these two clubs and when I look at kind of where they both expect to be at the end of the season, they both have to be equally concerned about each other. I think that the Colorado is Vegas' toughest test, and I think that Vegas is Colorado's toughest test.
2: It's a showdown for first place. Vegas will go into it with a two-point cushion. You play the mm-hmm. two games, you could be, uh, at the end of it, you could be up six, you could be down two, or somewhere in between, uh, based on, on the math and three-point games. Uh, both teams have all-star caliber goaltending right now, and the two front runners for the Vesna Trophy in the West Division are Philip Grubauer and Marc-Andre Fleury. And Grubauer has been uh, as brilliant uh, as as Marc-Andre Fleury. M- maybe not as flashy, but uh, mm-hmm. he has uh, has been leaned on. Uh, you could make a case even more so than Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, because at least there was a stretch of 10 games at the start where they were able to rotate. And there's the uh, the most recent uh, action where where Robin Leonard has been able to play a couple of games. Grubauer hasn't had that at all. They've been searching for somebody. Uh, Hunter Miska just hasn't... Uh, progressed and then they got uh, Jojo from uh, from Buffalo and uh, he struggled in his first game last night. He'll get more of a look. They still need more help on the goaltending side but these two mm-hmm. guys uh, that you're going to see tomorrow night in in Marc-Andre Fleury, these two athletes and Philip Grubauer are uh, uh, just uh, at a different level this year with Andre Vasilevsky. It's going to be a great one.
0: Yeah, they've been, you know, just really, really solid. And when it comes to the Colorado Avalanche, I think that was kind of the the big question mark. And I think it's always going to be the big question mark for them once they get to the playoffs is, can Philip Grubauer go wire to wire? Can he start and end a playoff run? For the Colorado Avalanche, because last season, you look at the bubble, there were injuries there, and there have been those questions surrounding their goaltending. Right now, in the regular season, Grubauer is answering those questions. But, you know, you you got to find ways to get him rest down the stretch because you don't want to burn Philip Grubauer out in the course of the regular season. And that's where it's advantage Vegas because they've got Marc-Andre Fleury, who is is right there in the Vesna conversation. And then you bring Robin Leonard back, who's 5-1-1, one, and one, and only going to get better as the season progresses. So for the Golden Knights, they'll have a rested goaltender as they hit the playoffs.
2: Do you uh, listen to Pete DeBoer today and, and what he... uh summed up this uh matchup being that it was between a couple of clubs that are in a different spot than they were during the the first four games and that Tahoe experience and Chris Chapman if we could just lean on you to uh to play cut four uh from from Pete DeBoer talking about how both teams are finding their place even though they have spectacular wreckage records they're still finding their place as they cruise into and past the midway point of the season
3: yeah it's a good question i i i would i would say neither of us was anywhere near where we are now and uh and i think we both have another level to get to come playoff time so um you know i don't know what percentage better but significantly we're both significantly in a better place than, than our games were at that point. and And I anticipate we'll, we'll both get to another level here uh, before we meet again at the end of the season.
2: Colorado has got healthier. They were coming off their COVID pause when they met for those four games around Tahoe in which Vegas mm-hmm. and Colorado split evenly. Vegas won uh, the first and the fourth, and Colorado won the two games in the middle. Uh, for Vegas – I think that they've developed a bit more versatility. Uh, we've got some depth out, out of the fourth line. But I'm curious from your perspective, and Chapman, chime in if you if you don't feel obligated to chime in, but uh, uh, where do you think Vegas has made the biggest strides since that last meeting against Colorado?
4: I want to stay hmm. on the blue line because it, it seems like they have— gotten more contributions I, I want to say from some of the younger players like like the kids have kind of grown up a little bit and I feel like that's really helped the the team improve mm-hmm. since that last what th-
2: now that's been a season-long evolution yeah but, but you've but, added Dylan Coglin.
4: yeah Coglin had had the game with three goals obviously that yeah. that was a big factor uh but but I feel like Haig defensively ha- has really grown and and White Cloud he just seems to, to, to get better and better every single game. Like, like I mean, he's, he's certainly much better today than he was at the start of the season. And, and I think maybe even though he's not a kid, bringing Braden McNabb back into the fold, you know, he's that, he's that blue-collar guy who, who doesn't seem to get all the credit that he deserves because I, I kind of feel like he's the cog in that wheel. He allows the offensive defensemen to, to, to play their game, but he also mentors the younger guys. And I feel like bringing him back into the fold has only made this team a lot, a lot better.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Interesting. I hadn't thought of McNabb.
0: What about you, Ryan? So for me, it's it's depth, right? It's, it's the ability to find offense from unexpected places. And, you know, throughout the regular season, you're going to need that. And we talked a lot, I, I think, right around that Tahoe series. Alex Tuck goes on a stretch and I'm counting that as depth because when when m- the majority of those points are coming from Alex Tuck on the third line, you got to count that. And then we've seen over the course of the last couple of games, really the last two weeks, Tomasz Nosek has taken his game to another level and uh, and added to that depth scoring that the Golden Knights are getting right now. We've seen Will Carrier get on the board, we've seen Keegan Colazar and Ryan Reeves get on the board, and, and the depth scoring for me is going to be key for the Golden Knights because you can't rely on your top two lines to do all of the heavy lifting you've got to chip in here and there when you can and that's what's been been noticeable for me since Tahoe is the inclusion of that depth scoring for the Golden Knights
2: there are two teams that uh, have when you put their records side by side they're almost identical and they're Win points percentage, winning percentage are both spectacular. Do you see a difference between these two teams before we start the series? And I'm going to write this down, and then we'll see how how it not <laughs> not, not not just for any point of of a you were wrong here or mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I was right here. Absolutely not. Uh, a- any other day for sure. But this this is more <laughs> an exercise to to see where. Where we evaluate the Golden Knights right now and maybe, maybe whether we were on target or it, it takes a different slant, a, a different turn that, uh, that could be positive uh, as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be on the, on the, uh, the chipping away at your, at your ego kind of thing. So where, where do you think the Golden Knights are as a team right now and where, um, not even where do you think they'll be after? But what, what are the positives that, that that are going into this series? Stone is 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 one. He's on mm-hmm. an absolute heater in March. Incidentally, Miko Ranton is number two in March scoring, uh, next to the <laughs> the record setting performance by by Mark Stone. So you don't even yeah. have. Like we have all these great positives: Mark Andre Fleury, uh, Mark Stone, uh, uh, Max Pacioretty, uh, go- going through this. Alex Tuck uh, performing, and then you look at the Avalanche, and they ha- they can go. Okay, well, we have that too. We have Miko mm-hmm. Rantanen. We have Nathan McKinnon, We have uh, Philip Grimaldi. We have K- Kale McCarr. Uh, it's 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 crazy how they can go one for one with everything the Golden Knights have done, uh, even with the spectacular start that Vegas has had. So Stone's uh, development and the flat part that Stone talked about uh, a week ago, where he had, I went through a bit of a stretch there where uh, things weren't going for, that was right around that Colorado game. So I'm curious to see how Stone carries over his individual momentum in this two-game big set series. I'm curious about Alex Tuck who mm-hmm. uh, uh was great in the last game that they played against Colorado remember they moved up changed up the lines and Tuck went up to that top line and and got a lot of praise about how he was able to hound Nathan McKinnon and not just uh not just stay around Nathan McKinnon with the gaps and the uh and the positioning uh of him but uh, but follow him not not shadow him directly but there is uh, there are some real uh, tracking of, of, of Nathan McKinnon in that game so uh, Alex Tuck is going to play on the top line we believe uh at least at the start of uh For tomorrow night for the first of the two games how does he perform into that mm-hmm. uh, Brayton McNabb is a good uh, is a good uh, mention by by Chris Chapman but also Theodore uh, Martinez oh what what kind of uh, performance do we see from the dynamic of the vgk blue line compared to the real threat that the Colorado uh, blue line is. So give give me a couple of storylines for the VGK.
0: So for me, I, I think it comes down to just the fact that you can go into Colorado in these two games and play two goaltenders like that. That first and foremost wins the day for me because you know you can you're going in with Mark Andre Fleury who's been spectacular and in the two wins against the Colorado Avalanche picks up two shutouts in doing so. But then you get to throw a different look the next time you play with Robin Leonard and and that just throws an extra added wrinkle for me, and it's the strength of the Golden Knights. Beyond that, it, it, it comes down to me, uh, when when I look at the Golden Knights as they kind of enter this set against the Colorado Avalanche, it's the belief in the room and the ability to win games in different ways that has been most impressive to me throughout this season. It's it's whether or not you're going into the third period tied, whether or not you're going into the third period down the belief in this room and the belief that they're not out of a game at all is really what I, I kind of look at as as this I don't want to say turning of the of the page moment, but one where I, I start to realize just how dangerous the Golden Knights can be. With Colorado, I, I feel they've they've done a really good job of putting teams away in games, of getting that that lead and then just being unrelenting. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that works itself out between these two clubs. But I, I like the fact that they've got goaltenders. I like the fact that they are, are able to find offense and win games in different ways. And I think that's so valuable as you go into this two-game set. Putting teams away, that's a
2: great point, buddy. Because they yeah. have, outside. interesting, outside of last night where Arizona sure. clawed their way back into the game. But they've... They, the games against minnesota it, it was over early and <laughs> and they didn't even let minnesota touch the puck and that's a really good hockey team in the minnesota wild uh, anything you're
1: concerned
2: or that you look to hey i'd like to see this area answered head to head against the colorado avalanche just to ease my way of thinking from a from a golden knights perspective Mine well, for- would. Mine would be uh, the second line, Riley Smith. Can can they get him going? The, the, that line, the Misfits have been spectacular uh, in carrying the play and territorially mm-hmm. and dominating play, but it's been a while since uh, Riley Smith uh, has scored. So getting him going, because you're going to need him defensively, that line's going to play uh, when they can uh, head-to-head. Uh, against uh, Mika Ranton and, and company, you're not going to last change, but I uh, beg you're gonna lean on him. How much can you can you get him going? And uh, the other side is uh, it's going to be the continual question about uh, about Cody Glass.
4: You know, I think those so, are really in- interesting points because I, w- I was going to add Riley Smith into the mix as well because I feel like he's kind of got to get going. I mean, he does a lot of things that maybe don't show up in the in the stat sheet or on on you know when, when we're looking at at Stats, But William Carlson, Jonathan Marchessault, so have both been going. But it seems like Riley is a little bit behind those two guys. But we know what Riley can bring when, when he's playing at his best. But I think something Ryan touched on for me, I want to see more of the depth scoring against a team like Colorado. Like, yeah, we saw it against St. Louis. We saw it against L.A. But to me, I felt like the biggest challenge for the Golden Knights going into the season was going to be the avalanche. And this is the team that you're kind of measuring yourself against to see who is the best team in the division. And I feel like it, it takes every player on the ice to beat a team like Colorado. And getting the, that, that scoring from lines 3 and 4, I feel like that's imperative. Well,
2: that's something Colorado has done to
4: Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and yeah. they, they they got goals. They get goals from Kadri They get goals from—, from...
2: Well, kadri's not a depth guy.
4: No, no, no. But, but you know what I'm saying. They, they get guys who score up and down the lineup. And, and that's certainly a help. A guy who's had a lot of success against this team is a former Golden Knight in Pierre Edward Belmar. right? He, he seems to play his very best games against the Golden Knights, and, and he's, he's a fourth-line guy. So, so you want to get your scoring from, from lines three and four because that's a way you have, to, you have to beat this team because they don't have a lot of weaknesses, I guess, is probably a really good way to put it.
2: So don't, don't play even. you got to be on the plus side of
4: it.
0: I, yeah, I, I think absolutely you do. Ryan. For me, it's how do the Golden Knights defend Nathan McKinnon without Alex Petrangelo, and that's kind of the big key that I'm looking at over these ne- these next two games because when these two teams played earlier on in the season, Alex Petrangelo did draw that matchup against Nathan McKinnon and by and large kept him in check for the majority of those two games. It's never going to be a, a, a perfect situation against McKinnon but Alex Petrangelo was really kind of the catalyst and, and played some of his best hockey as a Golden Knight in shutting down Nathan McKinnon. So what's the committee look like for Vegas over the course of the next two day, two games, and who's going to step up into that role and really play uh, that shutdown force against Nathan McKinnon?
2: The next time they play will be late in the season, mm-hmm. and a lot's going to... decided by then this series this two-game series I think has the potential to influence the clubs beyond the extreme of just the four points it it does feel like it there's more than four points on the line with this to establish something like Vegas if if you go in there and you are on the right side of both Mm -hmm. games you can open up a cushion that has not been witnessed this year uh, between 1st and 2nd inside the West Division. That's yeah. the reality. Uh, uh, and the other side is the Colorado Avalanche can pull Vegas back to a point where we have not witnessed uh, seeing the Golden Knights in a points percentage number be at the same as as anybody else in the West Division. So there's there's a lot of swing available in in this two-game series that I think can dictate the rest of this schedule. Do you agree with that or am I am I overhyping it?
0: No, I I look at these two games and my read on it is whoever comes out in first place after these two games is going to be the team that ends the season in first place. Like I think this is the the race right here in these two games to determine who will win this division. The
2: the race for the top seed is going to be extreme. How valuable do you put the number one position in the West?
0: Well, I I mean, I've talked about it a lot. I think uh, winning the division is incredibly important because as you move toward the end of this season and as we've seen that that fans have been allowed inside T-Mobile Arena, and I, I would assume that the hope is to continue to see that number go up, when you look at how big of a role the fans play in Vegas having as many home games as you can to get you through and and home ice advantage, all of that, it matters. And I think it matters a lot this season. So I I think top spot's huge. I really do.
2: And the reason why I asked that, because normally top spot, everybody wants to finish first place, but there's just a clearly defined four team contingent here that are trending towards making the playoffs in the West. And it's Minnesota and it's St. Louis. Can they get to a point where they challenge for a two seed or, or a one seed? We'll see. But they've certainly separated themselves uh, in, in being the teams that will qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And they'll try to hold on to that. So if you're going to have to face St. Louis or Minnesota anyway in the first round, and then the likelihood of, of facing Colorado in, in the second round, given some some leeway there, uh, is it important to sell out and do everything you can to win the number one seed? I'm on the fence on that one, but mm-hmm. I, I do give way to you. And Pete DeBoer was asked today about how important that number one seed truly is. Here is the Golden Knights head coach's response.
3: Well, I- I think it's going to be more important. You always want the easiest path in the playoffs. Um, But as we saw last year, it's not, uh, uh, it doesn't necessarily guarantee you anything. I think Dallas might have had the toughest path through the playoffs and came and got to the finals. Uh, But but you want to make that path as easy as possible. Uh, Big difference from the bubble is, is home ice advantage and, you know, are we going to have crowds in the building? If we, if we have, uh, if these buildings are full, particularly ours, then home ice advantage is a huge advantage.
2: So you're more of, of that thinking,
3: Ryan. I, I am. And, and like,
0: you know, again, I, I think that there's still a lot of season to be played in the golden Knights um, have, have been able to find ways and different ways to win. So it, it's hard because I, I don't think you should sacrifice being fresh for the playoffs in order to sell out and try to win that number one seed. But I, I do place some importance on that. I, I think that it's important, especially if you end up in a situation where you've got home ice advantage against the Colorado Avalanche, that means you can throw out your most advantageous matchup against Nathan McKinnon and and find different ways to get that upper hand. So it's important to me uh to to finish off that number 1 seed but you know it, it there's no easy path in this division and i guess that's kind of the the big thing to to take away here that's where i'm trying is, to balance it right like like you want first place for sure but it it you're still going to have to go through minnesota st louis or colorado and and likely two of those teams to emerge It's it's not going to be an easy path to the Final Four for any of the teams that are in this division. Well, now when
2: you when you're thirteen two and one at at home, Mm -hmm. that that does influence things. And you're you're right about the crowd uh, at T-Mobile Arena and. Maybe the numbers going up and being more of an influence. So there is certainly been an advantage on that part. You've convinced me that it's that it's more uh, influential. Uh, the last change is going to be really key for the coaches to, to feel better about their game. And also, when you get to the if you get to the final four, when you get whoever gets to the final four, mm-hmm. uh, you, the home ice and the matchups are going to be determined by uh, points. Sure, so yeah. the more points you gain, the, the potential that you get the, the easier opponent or the lower seed in the final four, it's not strictly a, a conference uh, bracket that's going to send you towards that. So, so in, in talking and flushing this out, there's also another reason why you try and pile up the more points instead of just saying, hey, you know, we're going to play one, two of these teams anyway. Uh, let's just uh, load management to the extreme.
4: I kind of think that that's almost how you have to look at it because this is the last stretch where there is any type of break between games because you look from... Right now,
2: yesterday and today. Yeah, so you look from
4: from tomorrow on, they are pretty much playing every other day all the way up until May 6th, May 7th, whatever the last uh, day of the season is. May 8th, I think it is. It's a Saturday. So, sorry, I, I the calendar is very very small and I I can't see it. But when when I'm looking at the schedule, there there really is no reprieve. It's May
2: eighth, by the way. Yes, I just wanted to see yeah. if you were going to go through the whole month of May.
4: Well, I'm, I'm, May ninth. I should have just May said 10th, May. May eleventh. Like yeah. like Darren does for, for the dates.
2: So, see, you're you're mocking me there. And no, you're right. What you're happens?
0: Right. I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> I, I right on the
4: money. Should, May May Right. Yeah. So. Because there, there's that makeup game in there against the Sharks on April 23rd, so so where you would have had a three day break, you now have one day in between the game against the Sharks, and then you have a couple days between the Avalanche. But there really is no break. No, so, so the, the only management... time they
2: don't play uh, every second day is when they play back to back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So so load management is going to be extremely important because I don't think you really want to go into the playoffs with with injuries or or limping in or or I think second place while it doesn't have the the nice flashiness I think the Golden Knights would settle for second place if it meant that they represented the West in the Stanley Cup final.
0: <laughs> I only if Colorado isn't in third. <laughs> well like i i think i think no the no main no he just objective... said
2: they, they they would take second if they
0: could go to the stanley cup I, don't, I don't
4: think i don't think colorado is going to be in third i think it's going to be one <laughs> what, of these two no, teams that are that either finish first or second
0: yeah my my whole point was you don't want to face yeah. colorado in in the first round of the playoffs and uh chapman you don't think that they'd like why not win the stanley cup like uh, we'll finish well, in well, second if we. Can well, He doesn't the want to get cup. too carried away. Well,
4: I mean, listen, those, <laughs> everybody, everybody would would settle for second place if they if they, if it meant they'd win the Stanley Cup. So I mean, it's it's just well, then their first place. Well, not in the division, right? right? Not not the way the division ends. I mean, it's nice you get to put up a banner, but they've already got two of those. I think they want the big banner and the nice cup to bring back to Las Vegas.
2: One more update uh, from Pete DeBoer: uh, the latest on Alex Patrangelo and Max Pacioretty, who. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of discussion about uh, Pacioretty's missed a couple of games. Uh, Alex Petrangelo has been out for uh, a little while since that series in San Jose. And today, Pete DeBoer was asked about his two veterans.
3: Yeah, and I didn't answer the Pietrangelo one either. Uh, Petro uh, is not traveling, but getting very close. Big progress. Uh, you know, I would call him more day-to-day now than week-to-week. Uh Patch uh, had a real good skate this morning, and uh, we haven't had that conversation yet. But uh, I anticipate he's going to come with us.
2: That's encouraging, isn't it? I wasn't expecting much so. that kind of news.
3: No, it's it's great on the on the Max
0: ready front. It's fantastic on the Alex Petrangelo front because you know as as you you're trying to to figure out what the rest of this season looks like and and Alex Petrangelo still in his first year with the Golden Knights missing uh now his his, second little stint of time you want him to have games before the end of the regular season to kind of dial in his game and get himself comfortable so that he is 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 hitting the ground running once you hit the playoffs and and the fact that Petrangelo's getting much, much closer is a very good thing for the Golden Knights. And if Patri is able to play in one of these two games against Colorado, then then I think you get a, a clearer picture of exactly what the Golden Knights can bring to the table against a Colorado team that is primed and, and playing some of their best hockey this season.
2: Twenty two, seven and one against twenty wins, eight losses, and three OTRs. Wow. That's a series between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. Note the start time tomorrow. We are going to be preempted after uh, hour number one. The VGK Insider Show goes for one hour from 4 to Mm 5. Then it's the Golden Knights pregame show with Ryan Wallace, 5 to 6. And puck drops just after 6 o'clock with Dan Duva and Gary Lawless. Uh, One hour earlier than normal for you because of the uh, mountain time zone. The Vegas Golden Knights start a two-game series in Denver at Ball Arena. When we continue, we'll give you a the story on the Tim Peel situation, the referee who was caught on a hot mic last night in the National Hockey League, as well as uh, get into some situations uh, outside of the Vegas bubble, and that being what's happening with the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's a high-profile debate happening uh, in Cowtown. It's the old VGK Insider (laughs) Show on Fox Sports, Las Vegas. There wasn't much, but I
5: wanted to get a... Against early in
1: the- We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM.
2: Oh, the dreaded hot mic in a cut. An official. Tim Peel of the National Hockey League. Uh, that's what he said last night uh, after making a, a call involving the Detroit Red Wings and the Nashville Predators. Uh, said, wasn't much, but I wanted to get a penalty against Nashville early. He actually said that to a couple of Nashville players, uh, is the report in Philip Forsberg. And today the National Hockey League announced that uh, Tim Peel will not be working any more games this year. He was scheduled to retire at the end of the season anyway. The 53-year-old uh, will were, has worked his last game. And uh, to dive into this little Story that has blown up on the NHL. Darren Lard, Ryan Wallace, joined by former National Hockey Leagueer Mike Johnson, who is now an analyst uh, in both uh, sides of the border in Canada and the United States with the NHL Network. And what was what was your first reaction when you finally got all the context about hearing the 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 sound, seeing the penalty, and and the the eruption that was occurring, MJ? Uh, well,
6: I mean, I think my first reaction was. That's not good when you hear the sound because, no. because, because it's so damning to hear it said out loud. You know, just uh, that he was like looking to get one even though it was a soft call. But they also, as a player who's been around a long time, you know, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't, I wasn't stunned by a referee having that sentiment or even saying it out loud to the players. Um, you know, because that kind of stuff occasionally is said on the ice. I mean, you can tell how freely he was saying it in talking to Nashville players. It was not something he was you know, embarrassed or was trying to hide. He was just acknowledging what he was doing as far as calling the game. So um, you knew it was going to turn into something, even though it wasn't shocking, and maybe just confirm something that a lot of us feel referees do all the time in a lot of different sports. And that idea of they, they manage the game or, or they have make calls, they do things along those lines. And just to hear it out loud is, was was surprising and tough for Tim Peel on a personal level because he's a, he's a good guy. He's had a nice career and he's not going to get to end the way that he wants, which is difficult. But I think once you work past that, I, I think it enters into a bigger question for the NHL in how they want their referees to officiate and are they okay with their referees having that process? Oh, I'm I'm looking to make a call and and whether they say it out loud or not I think that's a conversation the NHL should investigate right now
2: do you think there's any way it's it's out of context and the thing I, that I can't get over is that he was talking to Nashville players so was he yeah. was it just a dry dry delivery and and he's saying that or I I don't know because I just can't imagine looking at you. You're playing for uh, the Arizona Coyotes, and I say, you know, I had to get one out of Arizona early, and you and you accepting that?
6: Yeah, yeah, I, I know you. You want to hear the rest of the, the yeah. audio that cuts out? You're like, well, hang on, where? What's the mm-hmm. follow up? I, I wasn't much, but I want to get on Nashville early because they were getting yeah. really chippy at the end of the period because they'd been getting really, you know, aggressive with their stickwork. Because they or they laughed? I, I don't know after
2: it or. Or he laughs. Yeah, or says, like he's
6: like, or, or he's like, oh, it wasn't much. I had to get one on Nashville early, boys. Got to yeah. get you. Like, tongue-in-cheek. I don't know. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, they probably, even though the statement from the NHL suggests it didn't matter what context he said it, if he was made, said it in a joking manner, I don't think they take this, these steps. Like, I don't think if the rest of the audio confirmed that, I don't think he gets prematurely retired. So I'm, I'm guessing it probably didn't go down that road.
2: Yeah, you're right about that. Mike Johnson is with us, a uh, former National Hockey League player, analyst with the NHL Network, and others on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace.
0: So, it, it, Mike, in, in speaking to kind of that, that bigger question of, of how, do the, how does the NHL, in, in light of this, want r- their referees to call games, I, I guess that question is what should it look like? Like what should the action beyond just today and the decision on Tim Peel look like for the NHL?
6: Are you asking me, or are you asking what I think the NHL thinks? Because I think those are two very different things. Like, I think the NHL generally is okay with how it is. Uh, Because if it wasn't, the NHL dictates how the referees officiate. If the NHL wants to change something, they tell the refs, the refs are bright and capable professionals, and they implement that change. So I think... The idea of game management is something that the NHL is okay with or uh, wants to have happen. If you ask me, I think it does a disservice to the game Mm -hmm. and to the players playing it when the referees think we don't want to become part of the story, so we're not going to call too many penalties. Or we're going to make sure each team has four or five and one team doesn't have eight and the other one. That's by having that mindset and try not to imp- influence the game, they are effectively influencing the game. For every non call, they influence it just as much as with every call. And so I-, I think how they should do it is that they should establish the standard of officiating they're looking for. So whatever that is, and there will always be gray moments. I understand hockey's hard to, to call, and is that a slash? Is that a board? Is that a charge? I get it. But whatever the standard you're looking for, establish it league wide across the board. You articulate that to the officials, to the clubs, and to the players, and then to the media and fans through all those channels. So everyone understands, this is how it's going to be called. And then, from the first exhibition game to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, it's called the same way. Mm -hmm. If it's a trip in preseason, it's a trip in overtime of a playoff game. And I think players will thrive and always ask for consistency. Whatever the standard is, just give it to us the same all the time. And and I think it would be better for the game if they called it that way. And if Vegas is having a great game and they're getting fouled all the time and they draw seven penalties, they don't have to get you know, find six against Vegas. They just make the penalty seven to one that night because that's how the game warranted being called. I think I think people would appreciate that and I think the players would adjust sooner and quickly and it would make for a better game, in I my have,
2: opinion. I have a question uh, regarding the past officiating, but uh, but uh, I want to follow up with something you just said. Uh, do you think, do you think in the next five days we'll see uh, a few games where it is six two, seven one, that kind of disparity in in reaction to and and
1: uh, hmm.
2: eyes like wow. I'm just gonna call this the, the way it's happening. Do you think we'll see some of that? I wonder, Darren, if it goes go one of two ways. It's
6: like yeah. strength of the stripes. They're like, no, no, we're gonna do it four to four every game to prove that Tim Two right. was yes. right. Like yes. protect our brother. Yeah. Or <laughs> they're gonna say, you know what? We're gonna show that we don't do that, and we're just gonna call it. And the lopsided game might end up six to one. Um, but what I don't expect, so like we'll probably see both of those things. But what I don't expect is there to be a consistent, noticeable, sweeping change in philosophy this year. Maybe they have a conversation with the players and the officials and the owner or general manager or whatever, the league, throughout the summer. But I don't think we're going to see anything change specifically this year, except for maybe some reluctance of the, the officials to ever turn their mics
2: on when they're on the ice again. Right. That'll be the thing. They'll I mean, they'll be taking out the batteries. Forget turning the thing off. They'll be taking yeah, the the, no. the batteries right out. Did you think there's uh, and this is a hypothetical question because it's tough to answer in response to what's happened over the last 24 hours. Uh, what was your opinion of the officiating if we go back 36 hours? Do you think there was an issue? I've said this for a long time. I
6: have, yeah. So my personal take is yeah, I think there's not an issue. I think the philosophy should be improved. Like I think the refs are good. I think the refs are doing what they are told to do. I think we should change the message to the refs and, and, and encourage them to just call it straight up. And wherever that leads you, into a no-penalty game, into an even-penalty game, or into a very lopsided-penalty game, so we'll just, just do it as it as it is each night. I don't know if they're in encouraged to do that so i've said this for a long time i don't love the idea that i think a lot of people in hockey pride themselves like well the playoffs are tougher and more let go and the refs swallow the whistle because they don't want to be an, you know part of the results i don't think that's good like i think we want to call it the same way and and allow skilled players to make skilled plays and not be impeded and, and infractions on them every time they step on the ice and make teams played by the rule book don't change the rules because it's the playoffs. call it the same way um i've always thought that i thought that 36 hours ago i still think it i just think maybe there's a slightly better chance that that conversation can actually occur now
2: mike johnson's with us uh before we let you go uh just on the idea of the standard changing i watched arizona colorado last night and nick schmaltz took a penalty in, in overtime a slash and the announcers on that telecast—it was uh, an Arizona telecast—and they were up in arms yeah. because, like, how, how do you let, how do you call that at this stage with with such a great game? Just let them play, you know? Like, there's
6: well, well I mean, I, I think again, it, it becomes consistency, right? Like, if Arizona, yeah. if Arizona is capable of got the benefit of calls late right. in a game in an overtime, where they know that happens, then there's probably not this kind of uproar if it happens against you, because at some point it will happen for you. Like, they just know that that will always be a call. They know that it's a call in the first period, it's a call in overtime. And so complaining about it does no good, because that will be the established standard every year, every game, and it won't be a surprise.
2: Uh, you ever get caught in a hot mic? I, I can't remember. I like I don't
6: oh, think um, I, have. I don't know. I don't know. I hope not. Uh, I'm on the mic a lot. so Yeah, I know. Yeah, you, be careful. you know what? I've, been, I've done a radio like, like Just this past year, we're all doing these shows from home and all this different technical stuff. And I did a, an XM radio show I do every morning. Yeah. And apparently, one show, the entire commercial break was going out on air. So, We've had that like, happen. There's no telling what <laughs> you might be talking about. Like You could be talking about your grocery list. You could be talking about someone you like, someone you don't like. Well, who knows? Fortunately, we kept it on the rails for that commercial break, but
7: it's
6: you know, one of those ones where if you have a mic on, you have to always remind yourself to approach it as though
2: people are listening. Because somewhere, somebody is. Wow. What would you say about me if you were, if you were off mic?
0: <laughs>
2: I'd say this guy, Darren, really great to work with.
6: Terrible five hole. I played hockey <laughs> a few times. I could not stop scoring on a five hole. No matter how much he tried to stop it, he never did. It was almost comical.
0: That's a promo.
2: MJ, MJ would go top glove and still go five hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, whatever. Anything to go five hole because I know it hurt his groin. Uh,
6: you, uh, how are you doing though?
2: Everything? How you feeling? How's the family? Uh, checking in with uh, with you just uh, on that front.
6: Everything's good. I mean, we're up in Toronto, so yeah. like everybody in North America, we're all fighting to try to get towards the end of of this last year we're going through. But uh, the girls are grinding their way through high school. They're in school, which is nice. I miss traveling. I miss being at the rink. I miss being around fans. I miss going to different cities. You know, I get to go to Montreal, Montreal and Ottawa to call games. We don't call any games on the road. Um, I don't go down to New York to do NHL Network stuff right now because I can't cross the border without quarantine coming home. So like, that stuff is frustrating, I w- and I ho- I'm looking forward to when it's-, when it's different, but all in all, I can't complain. It's been uh, I'm happy we're at hockey. I'm happy we're getting through the season for the most part, and uh, I'm happy to be
2: busy. Well, I'm glad that uh, that everybody's healthy, and uh, we have we have 3,700 people in the building at T-Mobile Arena right now, and it's life changing, man. It is, uh, it is I, absolutely life changing. Like
6: 37,000. I mean, yeah. I cannot wait.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I never thought I'd uh, be the one to say that, but it is truly uplifting. Uh, be well, be safe, and uh, all the best to uh, everybody back there. You know, uh, a lot of people that we both hang out with.
6: You bet. You take care, and uh, hopefully, we'll get to see you soon.
2: That'd be awesome, MJ Mike Johnson, a uh, longtime National Hockey Leagueer. Boy, he could play, and uh, had one of the coolest uh, routes to the National Hockey League. Uh, in his minor hockey days, and stuck with it, and made it into uh, both a scholarship and then into a National Hockey League career, and is uh, a great broadcaster as well. And uh, he, he, I love his opinions because they're always well thought out. Uh, there you go. What do you think? What's your reaction to that? Uh, what's your uh, play off of what Tim Peel had to say? We'll bring you some of that uh, reaction at the top of the hour on the VGK Insider Show. But up next, it's the good news of the day on Fox Sports Las Vegas. <laughs>
1: Extra,
2: extra, extra, extra read all
0: about
1: it. It's time for the good news of the day
0: on the VGK Insider Show. The good news of the day is brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit. And uh, there's a couple of different directions I'm going to go here. You guys all know I'm a big Igor Shosturkin fan. Well, Shosturkin's missed 10 10 of the last Rangers games due to a groin strain. He's been out of action since March 4th. He will return to action tomorrow against the Flyers. Shesterkins, a 2.31 uh, goals against average and a 9.20 save percentage this season for the Rangers. I think he's fun. He's an entertaining goalie in the hockey world is a better place with Shostak in net. Also, good news: the Ottawa Senators just defeated the Calgary Flames for a second consecutive time. Three to one was the final there. Ottawa three third period goals to take this win against the Calgary Flames. Uh, because you know when you try to steal the puck from a goaltender that won his first career NHL game, uh, the karma seems to bite you a little bit. And last one for me: the Anaheim How much Ducks good news showed is there. Hold on, this is this is a good one. The Anaheim Ducks showed up to the rink today in Minnesota wearing throwback District 5 Mighty Ducks jerseys from the movie The Mighty Ducks. Of course, because they're in Minnesota, that movie took place in Minnesota. It was a beautiful scene to watch those jerseys enter an NHL rink. Maybe one day we'll see them on the ice.
2: Yeah, that was the walk-in where they're usually in their suits and... And we mm-hmm. get to uh, there's uh, Ryan Reeves looking. Uh, uh, it it was cool. I love it. Uh, Vancouver did something similar this year where they all wore their work boots. Uh, yeah, and and yeah, different different themes keep you honest, keep you fresh, keep you going.
4: Ryan, I know if, you're. I love it. I know you're a fan of Wild Wing, but if yeah. you had to pick which reverse oh, retros they, they oh wore, the D five yeah D five
0: for sure. I think it's and, a no brainer, right? And I'll tell you what, like if if they would have worn those jerseys tonight and Minnesota would have worn their reverse retros with the the white North Stars, it would have been one of the greatest jersey matchups of all time. All time. I think would you're been,
2: right. would have been great if Anaheim would have wore the, those D5 sweaters. I don't know what D5 means.
0: District. But, District 5. Oh,
2: District 5. Okay. Uh, the D5 yeah, the sweaters. And Minnesota wore their green home sweaters. And then you'd have one of those 10:30 at night men's league games. <laughs> <laughs> where, where everybody looks and say, okay, uh, do we have pennies? We'll put on the pennies. That—that's that, like, what we'll do.
0: I thought—I thought you're supposed to bring a light jersey and a dark jersey for every game you play. Men's league? Yeah. No. Yeah.
2: Not nobody that I know does that. Like it's okay. well, okay, really not a league, league, but
0: teams? a scrimmage. How about a scrimmage?
2: Yeah, scrimmage. On. You're supposed to. And then somebody like shows up with the yellow or the gray and the blue. Like that doesn't work. Don't get me started on that. Well, blue is kind of well, dark, right? No, I mean, well, the
0: the. The yellows and the and the grays are now considered dark.
2: No, I'm going to tell you this right now. Uh, Brady Hackmeister, Matt McElroy, and Harrison Luce, three guys that I play with on a regular basis, are the mm-hmm. three biggest violators of that rule. And I'm calling them out <laughs> right now. Showing up with a red or a gray or oh, a blue is not acceptable when you're playing pickup hockey where you need...
0: Uh, light in the dark.
4: See I'm uh, of the philosophy that only white is considered light.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I I fully embrace the the color that kind of plays on both sides because that way it usually allows me to get breakaways. It doesn't really matter who I'm who I'm playing for. I'm just playing for myself.
2: Yeah, just it's and it doesn't impact the game terribly. It's more Darren Elliott and I it really it, it gets under our skin. And, but we're we're too old, crotchety guys. Get off our lawn and stay off our driveway. I'm trying to wash my driveway right now. Uh, why why the Shosturkin
0: fandom? I just like him. I just think he's fun. He's entertaining. Like I I for whatever reason like I, I kind of gravitated toward him when he came in with the Rangers, and now that that Henrik Lundqvist is is not in the fold for the Rangers, I think there's just a lot of pressure on Shisterkin, and his numbers have been borne out to be very good. Like, I, I just think he's a very solid goalie, and he's fun to watch.
2: He does have flair. He, he's definitely got uh, some personality Yeah, I like fun, Darren. I like uh, fun. And Ottawa, like, Ottawa's right there behind Calgary, within four points of Calgary. Yeah, oh. you love to see it. Uh, when we continue, uh, your say on the Tim Peel situation, and we'll – tell you exactly what the National Hockey League had to say in announcing that Tim Peel would not officiate any more games uh, this year or for the rest of his career as he was retiring at the end of this season anyway plus one-timers news and notes from around the National Hockey League uh, bring you up to date with uh, the other three divisions as we step outside our bubble it's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
4: Vegas takes over, Smith comes out
0: to the neutral zone, Feels right, Marcheseau fires, he scores!
1: Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com.
0: Smith to Marcheseau, 4-2 Golden Knights.
1: This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace chris
2: chapman get ready i want to open up the phone line 702-876-1340 if you have a comment on what happened uh, last night with tim peel the referee who was caught in the hot mic and um, the insinuation that the uh, referees do offer makeup call situations uh give us a dingle and we will uh, put you on the air and offer your opinion to the masses and uh, start a conversation here not not a debate but more of a conversation to the BGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace at our respective residences. And uh, back at the shop, I was there today, by the way, uh, talking to Demo Dave. Uh, mm-hmm. Back at the shop is Chris Chapman, uh, who is uh, answering your calls and making sure that uh, that we stay on the air. So the situation last night was Tim Peel of the National Hockey League, a longtime referee, uh, is uh, retiring at the end of this year, was working a game involving the Detroit Red Wings and the Nashville Predators, made a call in the uh, in the early going and was quoted as, uh, as saying that uh, he just wanted to get a call against Nashville out of the way early. Uh, that was caught on a hot mic. And the National Hockey League responded uh, by announcing that there would be an investigation, and uh, they uh, completed that today. And Colin Campbell, uh, the uh, senior vice president of the—executive uh, vice president of the hockey operations for the National Hockey League— said nothing's more important than ensuring the integrity of our game. Tim Peel's conduct is in direct contradiction to the adherence to that cornerstone principle that we demand of our officials and that our fans, players, coaches, and all those associated with our game expect and deserve. There's no justification for his comments, no matter the context or his intention, and the National Hockey League will take any and all steps necessary to protect the integrity of our game. Tim Peel will not work another National Hockey League game. He's been removed from the schedule. A couple of things. The context. I do believe that what Tim Peel said was out of context. Like, we didn't hear the rest of it. He was talking to a Nashville player. I think there was some uh, sarcasm in that uh, because it was deemed to be a soft call. Mm-hmm. So I, I I do believe I, – I don't think this is Tim Peel going out and saying, look, I was going to get you anyway. I just got it out of the way early. I think mm. that there is uh, some context that was missed out of it. But being caught on a hot mic like that, it didn't leave the National Hockey League much choice. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree with that. I, I don't think that the NHL could honestly – Uh, have this information, have that, that, uh, that essentially that, that piece of video out there and not come to some sort of conclusion on Tim Peel and his future. The, the, the issue that I have kind of in the, in the context of, of this entire thing is um, I, I want calls to be calls every stage, no matter what is going on in the game. I don't like oh, the like, idea. Like
2: penalty calls. Yes,
0: yeah. I don't yeah, I thought want, you were talking
2: like phone calls, people calling up the show. N-
0: no, 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 but I'll throw out the number one more time if you want. 702-876-1340 is the number if you want to join us here and give us your thoughts, your feelings, your opinions on uh, the NHL, the hot mic, Tim Peel, everything relating to that. I want a penalty call to be a penalty call all the time. Consistency is I think what we what we crave the most. And to be completely honest with you, I I I don't I don't subscribe to the idea that penalties have to be equal. I don't. Because if one team's moving their feet all game long and the other team just doesn't have their energy and they're reaching and they're grabbing, then one team should have more penalties than the other. It's it's like it's not that hard to understand and it's frustrating it's frustrating for me when I watch a game that looks to be managed and it looks like you're waiting for that that makeup call and it doesn't need to be so.
2: A Couple of things to add to that, but first let's go to the phone line, 702-876-1340. Stephanie, welcome to the BGK Insider Show.
5: Hi, hopefully it's not too loud because I'm actually at CNA right now. Oh, but good. Uh, I, I think that especially with them coming out and saying the context doesn't matter, that they should kind of say what the context was to let people make an opinion on it instead of wondering, like, you know, what what happened before that, what happened right after that.
2: What was Tim Peel's explanation for What did he say that he was just yeah. uh, sarcastic and he got caught? Yeah. That's that's, uh, that's a great point. Uh, awesome uh, conversation. What are you doing at CNA? Uh,
5: my son is in uh, Little Knights. Nice. So, watching
2: Love him. <laughs> Love watching. What's, uh, how old is he, and uh, is he loving it?
5: Uh, he is seven, and he absolutely loves it. He's.
2: I know a lot of people that uh, that uh, help out uh, with the Little Knights program, and it is a spectacular program. Harrison, who I uh, called out earlier, is uh, in, in charge of that program. Joe, welcome to the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. So, what do you say?
7: Well, I, I have the utmost... Um, respect for officials. It's a tough job. However, I don't like when I hear and I've been watching hockey. I'm 61 years old for a long time and at the end of the game it's, we always hear things like they're not going to make a call here to decide the game. If it's a penalty, it's a penalty. And I think that's what you're getting to when you're saying, well, they're trying to even them up and they're looking for something small to get to. Um, I coached a lot of high school basketball a long time ago, and I used to hate when officials came to the scorer's table and said, how many fouls does this team have and how many fouls does that team have? Because if, if I even it out in a big game, everybody should be happy, and that's not the way to do athletics. Joe,
2: that, uh, that last point there about uh, basketball uh, leads me to a question that I want to bring you in on. Do you think this is a hockey issue, or is this more a
7: sports issue? I really – and that's what I'm getting to. I think it's a sports issue. Uh, I I think you see it with umpires widening out the strike zone, um, when they've blown a call, or they think they've blown a call somewhere. Uh, In the NBA, we had Tim – i was it, Donahue was his name. Um, You know, you got all that nonsense going on. And, again, I don't think that they're in the tank. I I just – in their eyes, I think they're trying to even it out one way or another, and I don't know that that really is the best way to do it. Joe,
2: thank you, and uh, be safe. Appreciate the call. Uh, outstanding uh, points by Joe on the phone lines, 702-876-1340. We have a call uh, line open uh, right now. Uh, l- let me just get to the idea of officiating and timing of the calls because I pointed out last night in the Arizona game uh, the announcers there were really upset that there was a call, and it was a penalty. It was a slashing penalty um, mm-hmm. uh, that the infraction that Nick Schmaltz committed, and the the take there. And I know that they're home announcers uh, in that perspective, but mm-hmm. if we're all want calls to be made, whether they're in the first period or the third period or in overtime, then you you can't be talking about well let the players play
0: well you're right but there's also a an opportunity here that is in front of the nhl i think right now to establish what they want that standard to look like and there's going to be some type of conditioning to that standard i I mean when when you looked at you know infractions and and you you looked at kind of tightening that stuff up uh, initially there was pushback right like there was pushback when it came to hooking and clutching and grabbing but now I, I think everyone kind of understands that that's the way the game should be played and that's the way the game should be called like I, I think that you've got to establish those baselines and then everyone's got to be on board with it because if if you're frustrated. In in you know game five or game seven of the Stanley Cup final, because uh, players can just get tackled to the ice with no calls, then you you have to you have to understand that there's onus on everybody to to be better in that regard.
4: I think the worst thing about this is is the idea of a makeup call, because that's that's admitting that you basically screwed up, like you shouldn't have called the penalty, you shouldn't have called the foul, so. I'm going to find another really weak play, and I'm going to blow my whistle and call a foul. I'm going to call a penalty. I I, I like what Joe said about, about basketball. I was around high school basketball a lot in my younger years, and he's right. When the officials come over and they ask you how many fouls Team A has versus how many fouls Team B has, that maybe subconsciously tells you, you know what, I need to even this up because let's be honest, very few people like being the bad guy. And if one team ends a game with 13 fouls and another team ends with three, and one team's shooting free throws for the majority of the second half and one team shoots none, instinctively we're going to say, well, what was going on here? Because we're so used to it being even. Like I, 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 To me, there's nothing worse than when, when you hear, oh, well, expect some makeup calls here because that was a weak, that was a weak penalty it's almost listen you know what we understand these guys are humans they make mistakes you don't need to compound that issue by making a mistake on top of another mistake to try to quote even things up
2: uh just one note on basketball and i don't know how the high school uh, foul system works in nevada Uh, i'm more closer to to the nba uh could the officials be coming over the scoring table and asking that question to know whether a team's close to the bonus or not, in that regard, and not evening out, I, and that's a layman question right there.
4: I think it's 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 possible, but okay. these guys, they I know. I just generally I just to know. generally you can look on the scoreboard, and the scoreboard will generally give you an idea of how many fouls Team A has as opposed to Team B.
2: So I don't know why the referees are asking the scoring. Well, team. Uh, I've yeah. just gone through the score the uh, the games from last night and tonight, and mm-hmm. And I can't find a single game where there was more than one penalty difference, one power play opportunity uh, difference between the two teams. It It, it is even uh, in, in a lot of the cases. Terry, welcome to the VGK Insider Show. Terry, welcome to the program.
5: With that referee, um, I understand the NHL, you know, or any league shouldn't tolerate, you know, something like that, but – I also kind of feel like that guy was joking, you know, and like you said, sarcastic. And I really feel like he should be suspended. Now, I don't know how long. I don't think he should be the rest of the season. I kind of think that's a little harsh for this. But, I mean, honestly, uh, it, it seemed more like he was kind of in jest maybe with this comment. From what I know about it, but I don't really know the whole story about it. You know, so I think that, you know, I kind of feel it was a little harsh. though. that's my first reaction is. You know it's kind of harsh and probably should be, you know, maybe a suspension for two weeks, a month, or something. I don't know. You know, I can't hard to say how long, but not not the rest of the season.
2: Tough way to end his career because he is retiring at the end of the season. So Tim Peel has worked his National Hockey League game for uh, the final time. Hey Terry, before we let you go, everything good because we've missed you the last few nights on the VGK Postgame Yeah, show. you
5: know what's been happening is I've been working a whole bunch, so making that money, man. At a boy. <laughs> I've been listening to those games. In fact, in a little while, I'll be flipping the station, uh, catching the silver Knights. Hey, I want to make one more comment about something else. Um, nothing. Nobody really threw it out there or anything. How about Oscar Dance? 48 saves out of 50 shots, and the first one, first goal was an early goal. The second goal was because it was a six-on-five, and they're really attacking the net. So, really, I think that was even better than a 48 out of 50. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but – that was the. I was with that game. I'm like, that is just insane, man.
2: That's awesome. Love Terry's enthusiasm. Make sure you call us because we miss you.
7: Hey, go night. Uh, all right, we guys. Don't hear you.
2: Be good, uh, Terry. One of the uh, loyal and uh, regular callers to the VGK post game show on Fox Sports Las Vegas and the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. Uh, uh, there's been uh, Ryan. Do you mm-hmm. do you have a do you have an issue at all with the officiating? And I'll, I ask you that by saying I felt this year that the officiating has been really good so this this there's a lot of uh retro reaction with the Tim Peel situation but in my evaluation I haven't had now Vegas has been lights out uh, mm-hmm. that uh, we, we haven't seen uh, a lot of instances where there's been a reason for uproar but how have you have judged the uh, the officiating
0: I mean, I, I start off every time I, I talk about officiating with uh, the understanding that this is an incredibly fast game and you're relying on humans to make judgment calls in the moment, right? So uh, you're never going to to look at a game and and agree with everything based on where you fall as a fan based on a whole different of a whole number of different things. But that being said, like, on the whole, I, I don't have terrible issues with the referees in general. Like, uh, calls happen, and it's up to the teams to kind of deal with whatever call happens on the ice. If you believe that there should have been a penalty and there wasn't, you got to play through it. If you believe that there was a penalty called and it shouldn't have been, you've got to kill the penalty. You've, you've got to play through it. And that's always kind of been my stance. I don't get too uh, cranky and, and too high and mighty when it comes to evaluating referees. That being said, I, I do have my opinions on what I want to see out of a game, and I do have my opinions on not necessarily liking the idea of game management, and and that's just kind of where I fall. But on the whole, like there's not really much I'm going to sit and complain about when it comes to referees in the NHL.
2: And this, this wasn't—this was game management, the accusation or the implication— uh, of what Tim Peel said, can we just can we play that sound again for anybody that, that maybe didn't hear it off the top or uh, heard our reference uh, Chapman, and then we'll 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 pick up on it again.
5: It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a yeah, penalty against
2: Nashville early. In the- so that's what he said. Then the mic cuts off. Uh, mm-hmm. The the game management, yeah, the makeup call conversation kind of came out of left field and took over this discussion because that wasn't a makeup call that was early and <laughs> and it was uh sort of setting the table uh for the game so i just want to make that point mm-hmm. right there where where i have uh if i have any trouble it's not that there's too many penalties in a game i have trouble believing on certain nights that there can only be two penalties in a game
0: sure or yeah
2: or one penalty in a game and that's pretty difficult in with, with as much physical contact as fast as the game is and as great as the game is. I more have a, a hard time believing that there is only two infractions between two teams playing as hard as they do in the National Hockey League. That said, I don't mind that they let them play a little bit as long as it's it's the same for both both sides. And Pete DeBoer uh, at the start of the season said, "We'll have to get an idea." The, the officials didn't have any training camp. There's no exhibition games. Find mm-hmm. a find uh, the spot where the standard's going to be, and and we'll deal with it. I think the standard this year has been really consistent, and this throws obviously a, a, a bad light on mm-hmm. on officials. And I'm probably not in the in the most popular or or largest contingent in saying this the officials have done a, uh, in a weird season where like all the same officials are working the north division and we get a lot see a lot of the same officials in back-to-back nights i think they've done a pretty good job
4: i'm one of those people who who feels that the nhl is probably one of the better officiated leagues out of out of all the major sports i mean the nfl sometimes becomes unwatchable because it seems like there's a flag. I mean, remember the Super Bowl. People were yelling and screaming because they allowed the Chiefs to play very physical and, and, and push and shove against the Bills. And I'm sure Ryan heard a lot about that game when they were playing in the AFC title game. And then all of a sudden, we fast forward two weeks, and Kansas City is playing the same exact game against the Bills that they did against the Bucks. And they're throwing flags every single play. That yeah, that, because, that entire because
2: campus spends two weeks working the working the media and the officials. Yeah, so and so that, happened, that happens all the time.
4: It, it, it's the NFL to me is the worst, and the NBA is not far behind. I know a lot of hardcore hockey fans probably don't spend a lot of time watching the NBA and the and the NFL, but the NHL compared to those two is leaps and bounds better when it comes to officiating, and, and I don't even think it's close. And I know some, especially here, right, people still will hold a grudge about what happened against San Jose. Look, those guys made a mistake. The league suspended those guys, right? They, they didn't ref any more playoff, playoff series that, that, that year. The NFL, it's like these guys get a pass for making bad calls. Like referee. Ocule- basketball yeah, Ed Hochuli was notorious for being one of the worst officials in NFL history. And every week, if your team, especially Charger fans, that guy burned the Chargers more times than I can even think.
2: The uh, the NBA, the the difference in officiating between uh, in in game and and how it goes back and forth in, in game management is extreme. And then how one player is treated over another player.
0: But yeah, is, it's the Jordan is, rules
2: is is, is is ridiculous. So uh, I I agree with you on that, Ryan.
0: Well, it, for me, like it, again, it 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 just goes back to establishing what the standard is, and then calling that standard. Like, I I have a hard time believing that William Carrier draws more penalties than Connor McDavid, but he does. Like, William Carrier draws more penalties than Connor McDavid. You would like when you look at Connor McDavid and the and the, the speed that he brings to the game, you you watch him play a shift. There are infractions almost all the time he's on the ice, right? Like almost all, it's the only way you can keep up with them. But for whatever reason, the calls don't go in, in Connor's favor. They, they seem to, to skew to, to certain types of players and that's totally fine. But uh, I don't really care how many penalties a team gets. I don't think penalties need to be even at the end of a game. I think that's complete, uh, completely ridiculous to be completely honest with you. Um, I just want to see a trip be a trip in the first period and a trip be a trip uh, that was called in the first period, called in an overtime game. Like, that's Uh, that's where I stand. As long as you're consistent within the game, I'm fine.
2: uh, In in hockey, I think before we went to the two-referee system, you could go, a guy could, uh, a person could easily manipulate the game and make it. But now we get two referees out there. They don't know what the other person's going to call. Uh, I don't think it's nearly as severe as this story has, has brought out the comments to be. I really don't. Uh, I don't think there's a problem in the National Hockey League. Ryan, after all of this discussion today, put mm-hmm. a bowl on it. Do
0: you think I, there's a I problem
2: with the National Hockey League?
0: I don't think there's a problem, but I think you can always improve like i I think that you could absolutely take a look at this situation and say hey is there something we could be doing better is there a way that we can make this product on the ice better and even if there's not necessarily an issue or a problem right now you can always look at this as a way to improve and i think that's how the nhl has to look at it
2: i still like having the human element in it even though it doesn't always go my way and i've the screen with more than one official uh, vgk insider show we'll take a break we'll come back with one timers bring you up to date with some happenings around the national hockey league on fox sports las vegas one to the near wing big shot he scores
1: it's time for one timers quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day
2: and it's a tie hockey game
1: on the vgk insider show
2: Here we go. Shake, rattle, and roll on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We have a couple of finals in from uh, the National Hockey League. Early starts today. Ottawa sweeps the Calgary Flames in a two-game series. Now, given the fact, there's a lot going into this, given the fact that two teams have made coaching changes after beating Ottawa, Mm -hmm. what do you think the call for change will be around the Calgary Flames after being swept by Ottawa? One caveat, asterisk. Is that the Calgary Flames were one of those teams that made a coaching change after beating Ottawa, so they made a coaching change beating Ottawa, <laughs> and now they get swept by the Senators.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that would be that would be interesting. I I don't think there's much you can do right now if you're the the Calgary Flames. Like you've already kind of uh, gone all in with uh, with going for going with Daryl Sutter and, and not just. Daryl Sutter on an interim basis, but Daryl Sutter with a three-year contract. So um, figure out a way to beat Ottawa. I, I guess that's really what you got to do and, and figure out a way to string together some wins if you're the Calgary Flames. Well,
4: can we just point out that the Ottawa Senators, five of their 12 wins are against the Calgary
0: Flames?
2: It's beautiful. I thought you were going to say five of their 12 wins were against Canadian teams.
0: No, no, no. No. <laughs> oh. How many of their 12 wins are against Canadian teams, Chris? 12 of
4: their 12 wins are against Canadian teams. Yeah, (laughs) Well done. How about
0: that? Uh,
2: The Anaheim Ducks lost to the Minnesota Wild this afternoon. Those uh, D5 jerseys that they wore on the way into Mm. the rink uh, trying to distract them. So Anaheim fails to reach 10 wins. They're the only team in the West that has not reached double digits in victories. Minnesota becomes the third club with Colorado and Vegas to reach the 20 win plateau Minnesota has won 10 straight at the XL Energy Center a streak that goes back to uh, the Vegas sweep a couple of weeks ago
0: they're really good at home Um, the Minnesota Wild are are a very good team and they're uh, They're proving that, and and it's interesting because we we all came into this season thinking it was Vegas and Colorado and St. Louis, and while St. Louis is still there among the top four, we said, well, probably Minnesota, but we're not really sure. We're not really sold on the Minnesota Wild just yet. Well, they've announced that they are for real, and they're going to be one of those teams that uh, are going to be around when the playoffs start.
2: And they just got drilled by Colorado in a couple of games. And then came back and and played pretty well. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers are letting teams know that they're uh, not looking to sell, but rather add. Are the Philadelphia Flyers in a weird spot where they might be adding and subtracting at the same time?
0: Potentially, I mean, like we all expected Philadelphia to be really, really good. And it hasn't really worked out that way for them this season. Now, at at present, they're just two points out of a playoff spot, although the Boston Bruins have played quite a few less games than the Philadelphia Flyers. So it it is going to take Philadelphia really starting to string together some wins. And I I think they've got what it takes. Like we talked about how good, how deep this team looked on paper before the beginning of the season. Uh, I think with Philadelphia, they just need to get some more saves
2: saves have been uh, a problem carter hart has struggled mm-hmm. if if you're chuck fletcher do you seriously look at adding a goaltender before the trade deadline to salvage a truncated season or do you ride this one out
0: um yeah i, match, I th- you know i th- i think you ride it out because like okay when it comes to carter hart we've seen him be able to to play at the level that you expect him to play that you need him to play in order to win hockey games and i don't think that that's gone i don't think that this is going to be uh, a prolonged issue for carter hart i just think that you're 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 relying on a young goaltender and there's a lot of pressure that goes with that um i don't think that that's the that's the way you get through this you have to figure out a way to get carter hart playing better and then from there you can build, and and you know I, I don't know maybe maybe a player like Matthias Eckholm really helps on the back end, and and that's kind of by by extension helps out Carter Hart. But I'm not really sure what uh, what the Philadelphia Flyers are going to do.
2: Yeah, and, and their blue lines considered one of the strengths of their team, but they also have some pieces that uh, that I wouldn't be surprised if if they moved out to bring somebody in. Just to change yeah. the look of, of, of that defensive uh, core. They've allowed four goals nine times in their last 13 games. That's It's tough to win like that. Unless you're Vegas and you score five goals every game. And and then, uh, then things become a lot easier. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, are you ready to say sayonara to the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets and their playoff hopes this year, even though they're on the cusp of a playoff spot? Like what um, does what does <clears throat> th- what does columbus do right now
0: i don't i i don't i don't know i
2: they're the, they're a confounding like, team
0: they they they've already made made the big trade right like patrick yeah. line was supposed to come in and provide that scoring oh, yeah. touch that you needed and um I mean, he's been fine, but it, I, I don't. I'm here. Aren't I? My, my issue is when if Columbus gets there, what are they going to do, right? Like, I don't think but the Columbus Blue that they Jackets. Can. What? They, like, I, I don't, I don't care. I don't like. I don't care about losing in the first round.
2: Would, like, let uh, me let me phrase it this way: Tampa mm-hmm. Bay uh, looks like they're going to win that division. Yes. If Columbus gets in at fourth, is that a good thing for Tampa, or is that a worrisome situation it's, for Tampa? It's not.
0: It's not worrisome for Tampa. They they were able to to
2: slay the dragon. Kind of
0: exercise that demon in the in the bubble in you the playoffs. Say you can
2: say slay the dragon, and then no, no, no. Uh, no, no do I'm you think do they've slayed the dragon, and now it's just a matter of uh,
0: of cooking up some some supper? You can listen. Say it. L- lightning isn't going to strike twice. Well, actually. It, it will, because for the second year in a row, they will absolutely dominate the Columbus Blue Jackets. Listen, I don't think Columbus is built to go anywhere in the playoffs. I don't think they're built to go deep. I don't think they're built to win a round. So really, I don't care. Like, if, if I'm if a Columbus Blue a Jackets fan... Hmm?
2: What if Lani gets on a heater?
0: Then he'll get on a heater, and then ah. and Nikita Kucherov will outscore him. Mm-hmm. And then Steven Stamkos will outscore him. Like it doesn't matter. You don't have to get all. They're not bothered. going deep. I was
2: like, just asking a question.
0: Columbus well, isn't going. Chris, can you can you cool it with the drops? Well, I, got I I literally can't even hear myself think. <laughs> it, it's so distracting. We get it. You've got a lot of John Tortorella drops. You've got a lot of Patrick Linea <laughs> drops. I totally understand. Thanks one, for asking, though.
2: The best one was was the one at the end after you asked him to stop. The no, he hasn't he, he oh, hasn't God. stopped
0: since I asked him to. <laughs>
2: no. Okay, here's here's my one more question. Buffalo yeah. Sabres lose again tonight. It's fifteen mm-hmm. straight. They play the Pittsburgh yeah. Penguins. Yeah. When when does a losing streak start compromising the integrity of the schedule or the season? What? like how bad does it have to get where you go, this this isn't right.
0: How are they not there already? I don't
2: think. Uh, like, well, yeah, fourteen is is a lot. Darren, run. it's
0: fourteen in a row. I know, and, and like it hasn't been com- competitive either. Like, I'm I'm sorry, it's already there.
2: Best part is somebody traded for one of their goalies. <laughs>
0: Goodness gracious! Funny. Sorry.
2: Um, so you, you 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 think it's already there? Yeah, it's, it's, gone, already there.
0: It. it's already there. It's already there. Like, would it surprise you if I told you what the score was right now? Would it surprise me if you told me? Yeah, would it Wouldn't surprise, surprise me. Like, would it surprise you to know that the Buffalo Sabers are losing again? I guess is the no. better way of putting no. it. Yeah, they're they're losing again.
2: Um, Andre Vasilevsky has uh, set the record for the Tampa Bay Lightning for consecutive goalie wins. We'll go the exact opposite uh, route. Mm-hmm. Andre Vasilevsky has won 12 games in a row.
0: Yeah,
2: um, like that's hard to do. I think the NHL record <laughs> is 14. I'm not sure that that's getting enough play around. Maybe it's just because of, of the interdivision thing. But 12 games, he's two off the NHL record for consecutive goalie wins.
0: He's the best goalie in the league right now. And and as much as marc Andre Fleury has been incredible for the Golden Knights early on this season. I think you look at Andre Vasilevsky, you look at that, and and he's just, he's just the best goalie in the world. Like I, I don't know how you can really debate that at this point.
2: He's really, really good. Uh, do we have any more drops that you can throw in?
3: When you lay your head down on your pillow tonight, say a prayer for the BGK.
2: Thank you, George. Uh, yes, the record for most consecutive wins uh, by a goaltender in the National Hockey League is 14, set by Sergei Bobrovsky. Jonas Hiller, Tom Barrasso, and Tiny Thompson. Those are all in uh, different eras. So four goaltenders share the record for most consecutive wins. Those are your one-timers for this Wednesday, March, on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
1: We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace.
2: Jonathan Taves, without Kirby Dock right now, uh, without Brent Seabrook, are in the mix for a playoff spot. Two points up on fourth spot in the uh, Central Division. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman as we catch up with Chapman on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
4: All right, well... Uh, I'm here, aren't I? <laughs>
2: it's a mental... <laughs> so this is payback right now. <laughs> Wallace is going to do nothing but heckle you. Now, you have to do it in an entertaining way. You can't just make him... Uh, interrupt him every two words. Like I'm I, here. I, I, like I do. We're,
0: were the were the drops entertaining for anybody?
2: Uh, well, they they got a little old. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A little stale. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah, got a little man, old. But have you ever himself? heard the expression, too for wrong, so make it yeah,
2: right?
0: He, yeah, they don't, but it makes me feel better.
2: He's putting drops in his own segment. Well, so go ahead, Chapman.
0: All right. Completely so, derailed.
4: <laughs> so the chapstang is in the, uh, the, the, the what? shop.
0: I'm the, sorry. I'm sorry. The what?
4: The chapstang.
0: What's you that? don't actually call it that, do you?
4: Yes, it's the Chapstang. No, you don't. My my. What's a Chapstang? My my Mustang, my vehicle, is is in the shop. Uh, oh, so call,
2: you have a nickname for your vehicle? Yes, it's the Chapstang. Oh, the Chapstang. The
4: Chapstang. No, yeah,
0: that's terrible.
4: <laughs> it's fantastic.
2: Wow, it's not. And I take it you gave this to yourself. Of course.
4: Okay. Yeah. yeah no, nobody else. Nobody else would would nickname someone else's car. Well, I take that back. We, we had a friend in high school who, who drove a, a beater, and we had a nice nickname for it. But uh,
0: Okay, so your are Chapstang.
4: The Chapstang is in the shop. It's and, the
0: worst name I've ever okay. heard.
4: And the last couple of days, I have taken the bus to work. And I'll be honest, I, I actually kind of enjoy taking the bus. I walk to the stop. It's about six minutes, eight minutes from from where I live. And I'm it's, here, aren't I? Yes, you are. And it's a short bus ride. And I feel like you know this may become a thing that I do in the future. I may continue taking the bus. I check the price of a monthly bus pass. It's really not that expensive. It's actually cheaper than putting gas in my car every every few weeks. Wait a every... minute. I'm, yeah, it I'm sorry. Is
0: actually. Hold on. Gas in your what? Because because unless you call it the Chapstang, I don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> so
4: so gas in the Chapstang. Yeah. It's, it's it's. it's The the monthly bus pass is actually like two weeks worth of gas in the Chapstank. So Okay, well that's not shouldn't
2: be in an epiphany. Like that's No, no, but I I didn't realize (laughs) how much less expensive
4: it was taking the bus as opposed to to driving every day. And I mean now I live a lot closer to work than I than I did in the past, and if I have to go to City National or something, I'll obviously drive because I don't know how to take the bus from where I live. But
2: do you have to transfer?
4: I think if I went to City <laughs> National, I would. But going to the station, I don't. I don't have to transfer. So it's actually very, very convenient for me. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's actually... I So I the get whole little...
2: Chapman segment today is that you figured out that, uh, that public transit's a good thing.
4: Well, I've always felt that public transportation <laughs> is a good thing. However, I've never really used it on a significant basis while living. I'll, I'll be here 22 years on April 1st.
2: How do you get around in Japan?
4: Oh, it's so easy. Train, bus, walk.
2: Public transportation.
4: Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I I didn't realize it's different that, here. Yeah, different. it's it's, it's not here. exactly uh, a very reliable thing in Las Vegas. How, but
2: how many how many times has your bus been late?
4: None. I don't know the okay, schedule. So pretty, I don't know the schedule. So it's it it pretty, runs pretty like reliable, every reliable then. It runs like every fifteen minutes. It's pretty from, reliable. Yeah, so it's almost like clockwork. Exactly. You know, yes. You know what
2: we did today? We discovered that the sky is blue
4: yes yes we that's have That's what we did today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and i discovered that there's actually blue bananas and we also discovered that uh, chris chapman names his vehicle the chapstang the chapstang that's the worst thing you could ever say no you know, it's... it's
2: a good thing that you're already married
0: yeah that's because
2: fair. if you throw that one out while dating it's over. i
4: i i have i actually did
2: Hey, Chapman, it went well. Chapman,
0: you and I have known each other a long time. <laughs> yes. I've never heard you refer to your car as the Chapstang well, I don't know if we've today. ever talked about my car.
2: Well, if you're if you're going to the degree of naming it the Chapstang, yes. then you talk about your car a lot. Mm-hmm.
4: Not really. No, I mean, I don't, say, I don't.
2: Tomorrow, 4 to 5, BGK Insider Show, and then the pregame show ahead of Colorado and Vegas on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Out. <laughs>